Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the fullness of the world as we pick up in Psalm chapter 50, verse 9. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. Now, God is showing that the people had the wrong concept when they were bringing their sacrifices to Him. When they were giving to God, they had just that idea, oh, I'm giving to God. As though God had a need for me to give to Him. As though God needed me to supply the meat for His dinner tonight. So I will take one of the lambs out of my flock and I'll bring it to God so He can have dinner tonight. For He's depending on me to feed him. God said, look, it's, I'm not hungry. If I were hungry, I wouldn't tell you. Because the world is mine and the fullness thereof. I wouldn't go to you. It is manifestly wrong for us to give the assumption to people today that God is broke. I am tired of the letters that I get every week where God is in another financial crisis. This is the greatest crisis we've ever faced in the history of our ministry. And God is going to have to cut back his marvelous work. It's going to cease unless you send in $25 this week. And these ministries that are facing one crisis after another. What a poor image they are giving of God to the world as they get on television with their sniffles and tell us how desperate God is, how he needs immediate emergency action on your part to save him from financial disaster. So that people are giving with the idea of helping God out. Oh, God, please don't file bankruptcy here. I will send you a check for $5. As though God is depending on me for support. And if I fail to support him, his whole program is down the tubes. God doesn't want you to give with the idea of helping him out. God doesn't want you to think that he's holding out a tin cup. And God was upset with the people. I'm not hungry. If I were hungry, I wouldn't tell you. I don't need, your, I don't need you to supply me for food. Think I'm going to eat that dirty old goat out of your flock? You're kidding yourself. The reason why you are bringing a sacrifice isn't to feed me. The reason why you're bringing a sacrifice is that your sins might be covered in order that you might have restored fellowship with me. And that's what I desire is meaningful, heartfelt fellowship with you. That's what I want. I don't need your money. I don't need your goats. I don't need your sheep. I want your fellowship. I want your love. I want your service to me not to be a duty, not to be an obligation. I want it to be a response in love, your love to me, so that we can have this close, beautiful fellowship with each other. 
Now sin has broken your fellowship. Sin has kept you away. Therefore, bring a sacrifice so you can cover your sin. The sacrifice is for your benefit to cover your guilt in order that you can have fellowship with me. And that's the real thrust behind the sacrifice is restored fellowship with God that you might have this deep, heartfelt, intimate communion with him. Now, the same with our giving to God today. It isn't to help God out. It isn't to keep God solvent. The giving is an expression of my love. God, I love you so much. I appreciate so much what you've done for me. I want to do something for you, God. And I'm giving with a heart of love. I'm giving with a heart that's overflowing. I desire to give. I want to give. The Bible said your giving to God should never be grudgingly or out of constraint. You should never be giving by pressure and using pressure methods to induce people to give is manifestly wrong. Boy, I'd be embarrassed to stand before God when I got to heaven if I were guilty of some of these methods of raising funds for God. <laughs> oh, man, I'm going to enjoy just sitting back and watch God rake them over the coals <laughs> for the way they've represented him. Watch him as he shakes them till their teeth rattle, making people think he's broke, making people think that he's begging and has to beg in order to survive. What a blasphemous concept of God they're promoting. And God doesn't want that kind of giving anyhow. God wants you to give out of a heart of love. Therefore, as every man has purposed in his own heart, so let him give, for God loves a hilarious giver. Oh, the way we motivate people. Give, and God is going to give back to you. Measured out, pressed down, running over. Men are going to give in your bosom. You give 10, God will give you 100. And we motivate them out of their own greed. We're using their own greed as a motivator to give them to give because look what God's going to give to you. You just give to God and you'll be driving, you know, limousines. And we're using carnal motivation when in reality, God doesn't want people giving out of that kind of motive, thinking, oh boy, I'm gonna give 10 and gonna get 100. Man, that's neat. Get 100, give 1,000. Oh, right, you know, give 1,000, give 1,000, get a million, you know, and <laughs> I'll get rich. Ah, oh, what poor motivation for giving. Oh, God, I love you. God, I appreciate so much you've done. How can I do less than just give you my best? Give you my all, God. You've done so much for me. I had nothing. I deserve nothing, and yet you've been so good, so rich unto me. You've blessed me so much. Oh, God, I just, what can I give you, God? And, and my giving to God is just out of a heart that's overflowing with love and appreciation. That's the kind of gift 
that God desires. So God says, look, I'm not hungry. I'm not hurting. I'm not broke. I would just as soon you not offer your sacrifices, except that you need to in order to come to me. But what I want you to really offer to me, now the sacrifice for you is to cover your sin. You can come to me. But then offer to me thanksgiving. I think we ought to keep a tally sheet this week. And let's keep a record of how many times we complain to God about things that aren't quite right, things that we don't like, things that have gone wrong. And then keep another sheet on how many times I've stopped to just thank God for all that I have. I think that if we would really keep a tally on ourselves, we'd be rather amazed at how much griping and complaining we do and how little thanks we give. And yet God wants our thanksgiving. God said, offer unto me thanksgiving. And pay the vows unto the Most High. Now, when I make a vow to God, it's because I am conscious of the fact that I am not all that I should be. And I'm promising God I'm going to be better. David said, I will pay the vows I made to you in the day in which I was in trouble. And that's when you usually make a vow when you're really in trouble. Oh, God, help me now. Just get me out of this mess, and I promise, Lord, I'm going to live a better life. Lord, just help me out of this, and I promise this is what I'm going to do. And when I'm in trouble, I make my vows to God. But then when I get out of trouble, it's like the little kid sliding down the roof, crying out to God, oh, God, help me, help me, God. I'm slipping, I'm falling. And his pants got caught on a nail, and he turned and said, never mind, God, the nail stopped me. You know. <laughs> and we forget God so quickly. We're willing to attribute now the work of God to just circumstances or to a coincidence. Oh, that's all right, God, I don't need you anymore, you know. And we forget the promises that we made. We forget the vows. We go on living the same old crummy life, substandard in our Christian walk. Then we get in trouble. Oh, God, if you just get me out of this, I promise this time, really, Lord, really and truly. Cross my heart, hope to die. Lord, you see, I'm aware of my shortcomings. I'm aware that I'm not living the kind of life that I should. I'm conscious of that. I'm guilty. I know I'm guilty. Now, I do, I spend most of my life trying to cover my guilt and not let other people know how guilty I am. But in my own heart, I know that I am not all that I should be. And that's why when I'm in trouble, I make promises to God. But God is saying, hey, just keep your vows. Start living the right kind of a life. And then call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you. God so many times has said for us to call on him in trouble. I, in Jeremiah 33, call upon me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Imagine God inviting you to call on him. Anytime you're in trouble, just call on me. I have a friend who gave me his card, and he said, anytime you're in trouble, just call this number. Oh, man, does that make you feel good. Anytime you're in trouble, got a number to call. 
I have a friend who was in her 80s. She had a beautiful gift of exhortation to the body of Christ. And she had a big old Cadillac, and she'd drive across the country in this big old Cadillac, ministering in churches, exhorting the body of Christ across the country. Blessed little old saint. She had to sit up on a cushion to see over the dashboard. And she was in a meeting in Texas. And through her gift of exhortation, a wealthy man there in the meeting was really touched. And he came up to her and he said, I'm worried about you driving across the country in that big old car. It's, it was an old Cadillac. And he said, I own a fleet of trucks. And he said, we have garages all over the country. And he said, I want you to take my card and here's my number on it. And he said, anytime, anywhere, when you need help, just call the number. And he said, you're not far from one of my garages. And he said, I'll see that, you know, your car is towed in and you're taken care of. And she smiled and handed the card back to him. And she said, you know, that is a very generous offer. And I want you to know that I appreciate it very much. But she said, for over 60 years, I've been trusting in the Lord to take care of me, and he hasn't failed me yet. I don't know why I should accept a substitute. <laughs> God says, call upon me in trouble. I will deliver you. Now, when you can call on God, why should you accept a substitute? How beautiful it is that we can call upon God. I will deliver you, and as a result of God's deliverance, I will glorify him. And that's the kind of prayer, praise that God desires, that praise that is a response to what he has done for me. Now, God has said that to his people. Now he's talking to the wicked, the day of judgment. But unto the wicked, God says, what hast thou to do to declare my statutes or that thou shouldest take my covenant in thy mouth? Seeing that you hate instruction and you cast my words behind you. Why should you come into the kingdom? Why should you come under the authority of my reigning and my ruling seeing that you've hated instruction? You didn't want anything to do with me. When you saw a thief, you consented with him. Now, Jesus said that if a person tries to come into the kingdom any other way than by me, the door, he is a thief and a robber. And he said, now, you've seen the way of thieves, people that have been trying to come in by other ways, and you consent with them. It's amazing the weird things that people will believe when they reject Jesus Christ. The weird antics they will go through. The weird concepts they will take up. Otherwise intelligent, brilliant men. Some of the biggest spiritual dupes I've ever met are college professors who are constantly putting down Jesus Christ in the classroom. But they all have, it seems, their, their little quest in you know, spiritism or into this or that or the other weird thing, you know, 
too intelligent for Jesus Christ, but trying to find another way. And the Lord in the day of judgment said, hey, why should you come into my kingdom now? Why should you be a part of it? You've hated instruction. You've put my words behind you. When you saw a thief, you consented with them. And you have been a partaker with adulterers. That is, those of spiritual adultery. You've been following other gods. You give your mouth to evil and your tongue frames deceit. You sit and speak against thy brother and you slander your own mother's son. These things have you done and I kept silence. But you thought that I was altogether one such as you. But I will reprove thee and set thee in order before thine eyes. Now, you made the mistake, you made the sad mistake of thinking that my silence was weakness. That because I was silent, I didn't care. That because I was silent, it didn't matter. Because you weren't judged immediately, you felt that God was approving. This is a mistake, and let me warn you, a mistake that many people make even Christians who fall into a path of wickedness and sin. I have heard them say, I've had them say to me, if what we are doing is so wrong, then why does God still bless our lives? And they mistake the patience and the long-suffering and the grace of God as approval for their wickedness, or that God is condoning the evil that they are doing. God will never condone wickedness. God is merciful, God is gracious, God is long-suffering, but make no mistake, he's not weak. And the day of judgment will come. And though it may seem that you are getting by with it because God hasn't already cut you off, because God hasn't already with a swift hand brought his judgment upon you, it doesn't mean that you're going to escape judgment. It doesn't mean that God won't judge, that God is too weak to judge, or that God approves what you're doing. Never. The day will come but it's a fatal mistake for many people for they have made a fatal mistake in thinking because God hasn't judged me. Here's a guy stands out in the field and says, if there's a God up there in heaven, let him strike me dead. Now see, that's a proof there's no God because I'm still here. God is so patient with us, but he's not weak and he will Come, he will judge. Now consider this, you that forget God. Just remember this, consider it. Lest I tear you in pieces and there be none to deliver. You better take note of this. I'm not smiling. I'm not approving. And you better take careful note of that. For if you don't change, if you go on in your wickedness, 
there will be none to deliver. The psalm closes with, Whoso offereth praise glorifies me, and to him that ordereth his conversation. The word conversation is an old English word. The word literally means his manner of living. And if you'll just order your life, your manner of living in the right way, God said, I will show you my salvation. We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Psalms on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Psalm 50 when visiting thewordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's thewordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD. And our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. Father, we pray that we might give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest we should drift away from them. For we know that if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and that if every trespass received a just recompense of reward, we know that there is no escaping if we neglect this great salvation that you have offered to us through your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, help us that we might order our lives aright. Help us, Lord, to be giving thanks to you. Help us, Lord, to live up to what we know to be right, to pay our vows, and to call upon you at all times that you might work in our lives your beautiful work of love and of grace. Lord, may we experience with the psalmist that great thirst after Thee, hungering and thirsting after righteousness that we might be filled and that we might overflow with Your love and with Your Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. Come study the Bible with Pastor Chuck Smith as he teaches from Genesis through Revelation on a digitally remastered audio edition of Pastor Chuck's Bible Commentary. That's over 600 audio MP3 files of Pastor Chuck teaching through the entire Bible, all on a 16-gig reusable flash drive. 
Now you can easily listen to Pastor Chuck's Bible commentaries when you insert this key into your computer. Then you can transfer all of these audio Bible studies to a smartphone or any other listening device to learn and study God's Word on the go. And not only that, you can reuse this flash drive that easily fits onto any keyring for even more mobility at a fraction of the cost. What a great way to study and learn God's Word. For more information, please call the Word for Today at 1-800-272-9673 or visit us online at thewordfortoday.org.